I'm Carol Cohn, and welcome to Purpose 360, the podcast that unlocks the power of purpose to ignite business and social impact. From time to time on Purpose 360, we like to take a deep dive into a company's purpose and how it is authentically and comprehensively activating it, both internally and externally. Well, in today's conversation, we are going to do exactly that. Joining me is Mylena Albright, and she is Assistant Vice President of CSR at AT&T. We're going to do a deep dive into the digital divide because that's where the company has a $2 billion commitment made in 2021 during the depths of the COVID epidemic to truly address especially the nation's most vulnerable populations, no matter where they were in the country, to providing them with not just connectivity, but also with hardware, software, mentoring, guidance, connection, community, and support. I always love that when a company's purpose is brought to life vibrantly by its CEO, and in the 2022 Social Impact Report from AT&T, here's what CEO John Stankey said. Connectivity is at our core. We have a once-in-a-generation opportunity to deliver transformative change to millions of Americans by narrowing the digital divide and bringing broadband's benefits to more and more people. We have the necessary ingredients, the resources, employee expertise, and will, and will, very, very important, to help our nation realize the internet's social and economic benefits. So let's get started. It's a wonderful conversation. So welcome to the show, Mylena. Thank you so much for having me, Carol. Before we start, Marlena, can you just tell a little bit more about your background so our listeners can get to know you? I refer to myself as a recovering attorney. It was through my, my legal work that I actually uh, started working with AT&T. Um, I was outside counsel for a local municipality, and AT&T had some work they were doing that required uh, a lot of uh, work on my part. Uh, but it's been uh, 15 years now that I've been with AT&T. I currently serve as Assistant Vice President for Corporate Social Responsibility, and I lead our community and social investment team. My team is responsible for managing our philanthropic budget for AT&T education initiatives. Uh, we also strategize and design social impact programming for communities uh, nationwide. Let's go from a high-level standpoint, which is that AT&T has a beautiful purpose, and it's very clear and it's aligned, and that's connecting people to greater possibility. So when you meet a friend, a former, you know, college roommate or something like that, and, and you say, gee, we're about connecting people to greater possibility, how do you explain what that means to them? Well, I mean, it's pretty simple uh, if you think about it. AT&T has always been focused on connecting people. If you go all the way back to the, the beginning of our heritage, uh, we've been connecting people and, and we're committed to connecting people to greater possibility. So when we help connect people to technology that often can be a bridge to possibility, a bridge to opportunity or a bridge to help people get the most from their daily lives, you know, th that's that 
greater possibility. We know that millions of Americans still don't have broadband access at home, you know, or they lack the necessary skills to take full advantage of the internet. So think about the impact that that has on someone's life. Right? Connectivity is increasingly vital to our everyday lives. So whether it's our education or our ability to find jobs, manage our finances, you know, just the, the way I, I use it most to connect with my family and friends. Uh, with all of this in mind, our purpose really demonstrates our expertise, its simplicity, and its inspiration. So you, when you start leaning into the digital divide, you talk about access affordability and adoption. So what does that mean? Let's unpack that because the digital divide is not just not having connectivity. It's more than that. Access is, you know, when someone doesn't have access to high quality connectivity or large screen devices. Uh, Affordability is when someone cannot afford to have the internet. And then adoption is when someone isn't taking advantage of all the internet has to offer. And that's from them either not having the skills that they need or they don't have the resources to see the value uh, in that in that connection. I know that you personally feel that there's a huge sense of urgency to help close the digital divide. And and that must have been exacerbated during COVID. So one, you've got both the professional Gosh, we're in COVID. You're you're likely locked down, um, and then you have the personal. So curious about you know how you felt during COVID and how it really accelerated your commitments. I grew up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, in a neighborhood that today is impacted you know by the digital divide. So uh, about thirty percent of the city's residents had no internet service at all last summer, you know, according to the mayor of Cleveland. And so um, thinking about that and understanding, so coming from that neighborhood and understanding even before the pandemic, I, I, I have family members that were not able for one reason or another to get connectivity. So given the work that we're doing and given my understanding, I'd already been talking with my leadership about the digital divide. We said, you know what, we really need to start thinking what happens. How do we serve this contingency of people that we're all, we've been serving for years? We're going to have to rethink the work. So we started to make those changes and totally change our model um, to now be focused around the digital divide, specifically around the homework gap. Our focus is on K-12 through students, their parents and caregivers. And so all of the resources that we started to develop all came from that. So um, in 2021... You, I'm sure you're one of the key people that got the company to pivot and to commit to this overarching $2 billion that is going to go towards your um, connected learning initiative. So can you talk a little bit about your role and your team's role in, you know, that's pretty quick pivot for AT&T. And so any insights you can share with, wow, yes, there's a national, uh, you know, crisis, but you also got your organization focused on something that you could really deliver. You know, I, I take credit for, for the parts that I played. Um, I played a, you know, I played a small part in making sure people were aware, but I have to give a lot of credit to um, my boss, Charlene Lake. She's our chief sustainability officer. She carried this to the highest leadership within the company. And 
made sure that, you know, they were focused on that. So, you know, to say that we have a three-year, $2 billion commitment um, with that quick of a pivot, that took a lot of uh, internal uh, collaboration to make sure everybody understood it, and they were willing to put uh, those resources behind that. So first, we're increasing access through investment in our networks. So think about, you know, our public-private partnerships. In Vanderburg County, Indiana, we're delivering high-speed internet to more than 20,000 homes and businesses located in unincorporated parts of that county. Um, next, we have affordable solutions. So access from AT&T is our low-cost broadband product. The federal government has stepped in to offer the Affordable Connectivity Program, or ACP as it's referred to, which offers a $30 supplement to help offset the cost of connectivity for consumers. So for families who qualify, connectivity can be free. But then we have other resources like our AT&T Connected Learning Centers that also offer opportunity for some residents to have free access to computers and Internet. But then finally, we're helping to increase adoption of the Internet. So when I talk about our AT&T Connected Learning Initiative, it's all about adoption. Uh, This initiative includes online safety tools, digital literacy courses and workshops, and online education resources and mentoring. And I love the fact that mentoring is part of this because that brings in your employees in a very special way. So why don't we talk about the exciting connected learning centers? Because you've got over, what, 23 up and running, uh, I've read, and that you're going to build more. And so what's it like? What's a connected learning center? Can you just give a little bit more color to it? And then I'm sure you've been in some. So maybe a story or two about how they're really helping um, young people. And it's also I read parents. Think of them as like a computer lab inside of an existing community center. We, we designed our uh, AT&T Connected Learning Centers to help tackle the digital divide by providing free access uh, to a range of re- digital resources for students and families all under one roof. And we did that because, you know, I, I'm very idealistic. Um, if I could have my personal access to that $2 billion, I'd probably just give everybody <laughs> free internet, right? But that's, that's not a model that uh, is might sustainable. Not well, yeah. okay. <laughs> um, but what we, what we thought is, well, you know, of all the resources that we have, what are, you know, currently existing resources that we can partner with um, that make sense that they're already serving the contingent of people we're trying to get to? And that's how the Connected Learning Center idea came about. So um, we, you know, we, we said, well, one thing we want to include for resources are high-speed fiber internet, Wi-Fi. We want to make sure there are computers there, the tutoring and mentoring um, as provided by AT&T employees and, and other community leaders. And we make this happen through a collaboration with companies like Dell to provide the computers. And we work with a company called Worldwide Technologies to handle installation and networking of the computers. So we don't just drop off a bunch of computers at the front door and leave it to the organization to figure it out. We um, we provide support to get everything set up and make sure that they have uh, what they need. And, you know, as I mentioned, we open these centers within local nonprofit organizations that are already adept at supporting underserved populations within their community, including some of our nation's most vulnerable uh students and families. So far, we've opened 23 centers and we plan to launch uh, more than 50 total centers across the country uh, by mid-2024. 
And you asked me about um, a couple of stories about Connected Learning Centers. We've uh, seen impact with the Connected Learning Center in Tupelo, Mississippi at the El Centro Community Center. El Centro has a direct line with the Tupelo High School and the teachers and counselors there lean heavily on El Centro to help with tutoring and support for their English language learners. So, in fact, many of the school's educators and counselors visit El Centro with their students. So the Connected Learning Center is a, a huge value for them there. And then earlier this year um, in San Francisco, uh, there's the Asian Pacific American Community Center or APAC, as we refer to it. And there was a large influx of clients that needed to apply for low income housing, which is now done mostly online. And when clients found out that they could use this, we call them CLCs instead of Connected Learning Centers. But when they found out they could use a CLC to search and apply for available low-income housing, word spread quickly, and they now come to APAC uh, for that assistance. So you're you're really addressing some of the broader ba- social determinants of health in a community. So that's wonderful. How do you pick the local not-for-profits? Because you know, in a community like Cleveland, there's many, and so um, this is one of your superpowers as an individual and as as a as a leader. So just curious to how you select them. So we have local external affairs teams across the country and in various cities. So when we first rolled out this program, A, we wanted to look at, you know, where there was need. Then we wanted to look to see, okay, where did we have, you know, the the proper access to get um, the resources, you know, that we needed um, to, to those places. But we understood that we had to pick partners that the community trusted, Right. Because how many so many times people who are poor or just, you know, are just trying to survive, you know, they've been taken advantage of through different opportunities. So they're they're not as trusting. That's really smart. That's a smart approach. I love to dive a little more into your superpower of coalition and collaboration building, because connected learning, as you said, it brings together business not-for-profits, government, educators, parents, caregivers, and others. That's a lot of different groups. And so in your experience, um, how do you get them to play nicely together in, dare I say, the sandbox? Well, I'll tell you what brings everybody together around this is there. there is a collective understanding of the need. And I'll tell you, this is probably the most aligned that we've been as a company, as we've been as an industry, um, as we've been as, just as a country, because everybody understands um, the, the need here. So for us, you know, as we start to have conversations and coalition building isn't new for us, um, but just identifying who else in the space is doing the work and, you know, sees the need, has concern. Um, so when we're working internally. I mean, for us, it was helping all of our employees understand that, you know, regardless of what job they do at at and that job can somehow help bridge the digital divide. Um, when we started to think about, you know, some of the coalition building we've done with other companies. So when I mentioned Dell, um, you know, a lot of people were going to Dell asking for free computers. Well, we just weren't going to them saying, hey, just give us a bunch of free computers. We had a plan in place and this is what they were going to be used for. And the goal to get into a nonprofit facility that's not just going to serve a few people, but to be able to cycle through people that come in every day, um, that, that meant something to Dell. So that really solidified that partnership. Yeah, you led with the mission. You led with the need. You didn't lead with 
we're AT&T and you should join in because we're, we're who we are. It's, it's a business oriented, I'd say a little bit of humility approach and kudos to you. You also, um, really in some of your approach, you focused on the most vulnerable through your not-for-profits. And I love that, that you were focusing on homeless children and there are unfortunately too many, um, that don't have, you know, that they, they need a hotspot. Because, you know, they're not in a, in a living situation. You talked about disabled. You talk about um, English as a second language and foster children. Um, how did you decide, wow, we really also through our not-for-profits and through connected learning want to even have a little bit of a greater focus on these really vulnerable communities? Yeah, because we, we know there's a need. I, so the team that I work with, I, I give a lot of credit to um, my team who go out and, and execute the work because um, through the last, you know, 10 to 12 years and the work that we did, even just with um, high school success and workforce readiness, one thing that they had to get smart on is what were the needs of those students. And th- those needs didn't go away. And we knew that there were always, um, you know, contingents of students that had more need than the average student. So we always partner with other organizations that are doing the work who are the experts and they helped make us smarter around that. So as we thought about who we were providing some of those resources to, we knew we had to um, take a different approach. So it's it's never one size fits all, even with the connected learning centers, um, even with some of our other work with digital navigation and all of that, that is being done in a way that we, we kind of uh, set up small pilots to figure out what works and how to, you know, make sure we're being effective and efficient. So it's fascinating. I'm learning that you are very large, but nimble and that you are, that you listen, which is, which is terrific. So, um, you know, kudos to you for that. Would lo- I'd love to know um, any other stories, of, especially, was there a story to, from the COVID from, you know, we're all locked in and you're trying to rapidly respond. Was there a story of a family that really struck you um, that you'd like to share with our listeners? As we started to come out of, even during the pandemic, like we started our um, device distribution events. So we give away free laptops to families. Um, A good example of a family I can give you from that is um, it's really touching when you see the links that people will go to, to get these devices. You know, they, they get rides from friends, they'll take the bus. Um, and uh, there was one mother who took an Uber because it was the only way that she was able to get to the device distribution that day because um, her car had broken down and she was just determined to get a laptop for her son. And she knew how that connectivity would help him. So to see stories like that, you know, we, we take for granted um, the fact that, you know, many times someone asked me early on in the pandemic, they said, why aren't more people in tune with this digital divide? I said, well, because for the majority of us, when we go home, our Internet works and it's just a seamless thing. You don't think about it, but think about it as when your electricity goes out or your Internet goes out for an extended period of time, um, people start to experience that isolation. And it, it's so funny. I, I have friends who, you know, you work for AT&T. My, my service is out. Um, <laughs> They're asking, it, it's yes. been it's been an hour. Like, right. Like, OK, get somebody out here now. Um, and I said, think about that for a person who doesn't have they can't call a technician to, to get their service back online. But I think that's the easiest way to give an example of experiencing the digital divide. That's a great example. Um, patience. In terms of, you also have a very effective employee engagement 
program. And I believe it's called AT&T Believes. So I'm curious about, do you give, um, volunteer, you know, a paid day or two of volunteerism time off? Or how do you fit it into your policies? And then um, what are your employees doing? AT&T Believes, that's the brand for our um, employee volunteerism. And um, it's, it's a concept that started several years ago um, to really, you know, give employees the ability to dig deep into um, issues that uh, they were interested in. Um, so our employees, they, they play an important role as we think about bridging the digital divide through the work they do every day. So before we even get into a, the AT&T Believes program, you know, when, when employees are laying fiber to get our customers better access or when they're helping customers sign up for low-cost internet or volunteering at their local communities for tutoring and mentoring, you know, these are examples of, of how they're helping to bridge the digital divide just in their everyday activity. Um, through AT&T Believes, um, which, as you mentioned, is our, our brand for employee volunteerism, uh, we just support their desire to volunteer by providing the tools and resources and opportunities to make a difference in those communities where they live and work. Um, but we, we encourage volunteering in, in a couple different ways. So first off, we make sure that employees are aware of volunteer opportunities through our online portal. And it's an easy way to find and sign up for opportunities. Uh, the company has for several years now offered a free day um, that you can go and do volunteerism. But we've also expanded our volunteer rewards program by incentivizing employees to access up to $1,000 in volunteer funds. Okay. So based on the number of hours an employee will volunteer, um, they earn currency and those funds can be used to support any nonprofit that they care about. That's really wise. And, and that's a really smart program. And it's great that you that you have, a, you know, you give a day to volunteer, but it's it's really built into their job. So you've got this terrific alignment of your values and and your the value that you're um, providing. So um, do you have any, I'm just curious, any story of maybe you in your volunteerism or somebody else that, they, that an employee just said, wow, this is this truly brings it full circle in terms of my commitment to the company and, and such? I have a personal story. So I've, I've volunteered at uh, one of our Dallas Connected Learning Centers to do one of our digital literacy courses. And um, we have we try to keep them in small groups because we walk them through, you know, how to sign up for an email account, uh, how to use Zoom, how to use, you know, online um, resource, things like that. During the session, I was working with a woman and she was, you know, feverishly taking notes. And I said, hey, you're, you're pretty good at this. Um, I said, you, you have it down better than I do. And she says, you know, she says, I've been to all the classes. She says, because as soon as I get done with the AT&T digital literacy classes, then I'll be able to take business classes. And I'm really looking forward to that so that I can, um, you know, get a better job. And it was at that moment, because again, even with the best of intentions, you can kind of take what you're doing for granted. And it forced me to just kind of pause and say, this matters. This this means something to people. Um, so for me, that was like that that full circle moment when I said, you know, what we're doing here really matters to people. And I wanted to make sure I took that serious. Um, but but I've, I've carried that with me um, from that point forward. And so I'm just curious, how did that make you feel? It gave me a, a feeling of fulfillment. It made me feel like, um, not that I was just, oh, there to, you know, help 
these, you know, poor people that are in the digital divide. But it, this woman, I felt like it, it gave her confidence and it gave her the skills that she needs to really be able to improve her life. And so you were personally part of connecting people to greater possibility. I mean, you were living and breathing your purpose, which is when companies do that, they have extraordinary results. That's, that's why I'm, I'm probing on how, how you feel. Unfortunately, we're coming down to the near the end of the show, but I always like to ask about insights. You are a great coalition builder. You are great in, in bringing tremendous value and getting those partners to play well together. But I'd love you to just say, you know, three insights for individuals in your role that want to scale on a core issue? First and foremost, I would encourage people to just be true and authentic, you know, to, to their purpose, um, whether that's your personal purpose or the purpose of uh, a company that you work for, a nonprofit, because sometimes we get caught up in what we think our purpose should be. Um, I think when you find your purpose, you feel it, you know it. Um, so for me, I kept coming back to the issues that mattered the most to me and inspired me to to evolve from that neighborhood I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. So issues like literacy, access to education, equal justice, even the digital divide, those were things that I was just naturally drawn to. And I've been pretty blessed that I can also do that and address that in my day-to-day work. Um, The other piece is to embrace collaboration, um, creating meaningful social impact um, often requires collaboration and diverse perspectives. So when you welcome the viewpoints of others, you gain valuable insights and you even challenge your own biases and and it it invites innovation into your work, I think. Um, I encourage people to enlarge their networks. So networking would probably be third. Enlarge your network to include people you normally wouldn't engage with. And and I, I acknowledge it's a hard process, but being intentional about it helps it become a common practice so that the more you do it, people kind of understand like, oh, you know, she she has a really, you know, huge network. You know, it's, it's not odd that she's coming to talk to me. I, I, I have challenges with it myself even still because you want to reach out to people again that you're not normally engaging with. Um, but I think that has helped me challenge the the perspective that I bring to the table. I was, um, there's a podcast that um, I listened to uh, uh, on being with Krista Tippett. I was just listening to it last night. There's a quote that I wrote down. She had interviewed uh, Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin is huge in the hip hop culture, um, helped to establish um, uh, one of the legendary um, uh, record labels, uh, Def Jam. And he said, there's great wisdom in ignorance. And for me, that meant I, I, coming out of that neighborhood in Cleveland, there were so many things I did not know. But in opening myself up and expanding my horizon and being open to those new ideas, it's really helped me to expand, you know, where I thought I knew everything. It's like ah, I was quite ignorant. <laughs> but I think I've, I've made myself a lot smarter along the way through the help of other people. So that's what I offer. Oh, that's one. That's wonderful, and, and thank you for for the very personal nature of that. I always like to give my guest the last word, and so we've we've covered a lot. We went really deep into uh, the alignment between what AT and T provides as a product and service and a core critical issue, digital divide. And so thank you for the depth of that. And also a lot of insights regarding um, building collaboration and coalitions, because I think that's the only way you're going to scale and really reach people that are in need. A last word from from you, Malena. 
Know your purpose. Embrace your purpose. That's great. That's great. Very simple, very succinct. And, and I want to thank you for, for this conversation because um, I knew a little bit about what you were doing, but I now know a lot more. This is an individual who, you know, you're very articulate, you're very passionate, you're aligned, and this happens in a very large company. Um, but again, as a, uh, a use as a customer, um, I'm glad to know about the backstory of what this storied company is doing in a authentic and deep way. So on behalf of so many, you know, young people and families and communities, I want to thank you and thanks for the insights and thank you for being a guest on my show. Thanks for having me, Carol. It's been a pleasure. This podcast was brought to you by some amazing people, and I'd love to thank them. Ann Hundertmark and Kristen Kenny at Carol Cohn on Purpose, Pete Wright and Andy Nelson, our crack production team at True Story FM, and you, our listener. You know, we love hearing from you, so please give us feedback. Let us know names of people you'd like to hear on a future episode. How about some new questions to ask? And also, please rate and rank us because we really want to be as high as possible as one of the top business podcasts available so that we can continue exploring together the importance and the activation of authentic purpose. We all know every company, every brand, every not-for-profit must define their purpose, refine it, and activate it and evolve it over time so it has the greatest impact on business, growth, and society. And by listening to these episodes and sharing them with your colleagues and talking about them, I want to inspire you to have an amazing answer to this question. What is the power of your purpose? Thanks so much for listening.